Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the official 90s Babies podcast. We are an extension of 80s, 90s, and 2000s vibes. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. We are here with Voice Over Legend. He's also an actor as well, but we are just so excited to be here with him. Um, Black royalty, King Phil Lamar. (laughs) <laughs> why well, he started looking like that like what <laughs> yeah you didn't know <laughs> we gotta give him his flowers he to me phil is just the bread and butter of voice acting like your voice is so distinctive and you have played so i mean do you even know how many roles you've done in total like there's so many voices my goodness no i only keep track of the really good ones but the thing <laughs> is we do so i mean the voiceover world is mm-hmm. built around the fact that they can get three voices from you for one check. That's mm-hmm. the way it's structured. Gotcha. So basically, you don't get hired unless mm-hmm. you can do a couple of right. different voices. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's just one little dude in the background or, you know, something, you know, sometimes it's a lead, but not mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. Especially back in the old days for people of color. The way you got in was if there was a they were casting a character specifically because otherwise like no 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 just have uh the lead white dude just voice that little black character in this side you know background or this little asian boy whatever mm-hmm. you know because because these producers they weren't thinking about representation they were thinking about budget right like mm. we're already paying this dude for the episode mm-hmm we have to bring in somebody of color and pay another mm. 800 bucks? Screw that. Gosh. Right. You that's know, so that's, unfortunate. That's crazy, though, because looking back at like the casting and like the um, looking at like the shows and like the roster of the people that are on the shows, I have noticed like looking at that, you'll see like it'll be like Philomar and it'll have like a bunch of different voices. And that makes sense how you're saying budget because um, it'll be like, you know, background characters or like the leads and then. You know, like I, yesterday, I, I'm somebody that I just love to research shows and just know like the the history of it. And um, Kath Susie, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but she was like voicing like, you know, different characters. And like, I was like, oh, I didn't know she did this voice and this voice. And, um, you know, and, and it's like when you think about it, like with your voice, Phil, it's like you can hear that you can hear your voice. But it's like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. You saying that that um, you have to just be able to do a wide you know, array of different things. So, but when it really comes on to, and it's not, I, I hate to say this, I don't want to say this as an insult, but it's like, they're not saying that you're talented. They're saying we want to save money <laughs> is what you're saying. Right. Yeah. But uh, let's not goodness. dismiss that. This man right. is talented. But yes, but that's the, that's the key though, is that you are very talented and you can do so many different things with your voices and it's inspiring to us who are listening to you. And, you know, it's just, Wow we we're just yeah it's just such an honor to be here with you so for me i have to get started with while what you were just talking about um i am a huge justice league fan justice league is one of my favorite shows in the world i'm a huge comic book nerd and i'm proud of that um (laughs) i just i love that and and i don't know the history of the character in general um but i love that with your character we did get a black incarnation of 
you know, John Stewart, Green Lantern. And I've heard you talk about this character at panels before. And just to know just the push that really had to happen back. And, and, you know, we think about it and it was 20 years ago, but that was not that long ago. So to think about how they didn't want to really, they didn't understand how, what the importance of having this character was and the need for him to be black. It's just very crazy to me. Um, So every time you tell that story, it just is like, wow, I, I can't imagine what you guys go through behind the scenes. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, back in those days, you know, mm-hmm. late 90s, early 2000s, diversity and representation weren't buzzwords. Right. Mm-hmm. But the great thing to me about the Justice League story is that it speaks to the um, the idea of diversity as a factor of excellence. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, I mean, it is about equity and fairness. It's right. like, hey, why don't we tell everybody's kind of stories and let every kind of actor have a career mm-hmm. but the the decision making on justice league i believe was because it's like you know the producers are looking at this like well we know what the old-fashioned you know justice league was we and i think also is what they didn't want to make people think this was super friends mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and so they definitely wanted to have more than one female on the league Mm -hmm. and more than one color and i think it was their thinking was because that will be better that will be more interesting you know that will give us more story to tell to have more characters coming from different perspectives Mm -hmm. because in the old days in those 60s comics you know barry allen and hal jordan the only Mm -hmm. difference between them was the color of their hair right right (laughs) Mm-hmm. Very you know, true. But mm. these people were doing animation as an art form. They're like, no, no, it's not just about have one green guy, one orange guy, one black guy, one green. No, it's about what are the most interesting grouping of characters, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, let's make Jon Stewart the Green Lantern in our story. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. He's a more interesting character. Plus, it's a more different perspective, you know? And let's cast a Latina woman as Hawkgirl. Mm-hmm. I mean, in most comic books, they wouldn't even put Hawkman in the Justice League. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bird guy, whatever, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> they thought, no, no, this will be interesting. Let's have one member of the Justice League who is from a different planet, other than just Superman. Right. Because mm-hmm. his planet's gone. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, when we do the Dwayne McDuffie Awards for diversity in comics, mm-hmm. part of what we're putting forth, we do that every year, you know, mm-hmm. honoring my, my poor friend, Dwayne McDuffie, who we lost too, mm-hmm. way too early, who's a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about, you know, the diversity is about fairness, but it's also about excellence. Yes. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. And I, and I want to point out, like you said, there were so many great stories that came from that show. And it's because of that point. It's because of you had the different backgrounds and it was authentic. It made sense. The writing is just, uh, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Dwayne McDuffie. I, yeah. I, so much talent on your guys' show. I mean, it, it stands the test of time. It truly does. And that's why it's one of my favorite shows to this day. It's just such a masterpiece. Thank Everybody you. is so talented. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 
Let's talk about how I remember you. I remember you from Mad TV. Mm. I loved Mad TV. I love the raunchiness of it, even though I was really young, but <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. But I love it. I love the sketch kind of comedy. And that's actually how I was introduced to it is by watching Mad TV. I believe I was like maybe 10 or 12 watching Mad TV. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was it was great to me. So I want to just ask, what was your favorite um, sketch comedy skit that you did on Mad TV? Because I have mine already. I know. Um, that's interesting. I mean, you know, I love um, my, um, you know, Jack the UPS guy sketches because those are the ones I created. But mm -hmm. I'd say that definitely one of my sketches I think is the best sketch was the... Um, Terminator meets Jesus sketch. Mm. Um, you know, the greatest action story ever told, I think is what they called it. Mm -hmm. And it was a really just smart, funny, well done story. It's like, well, what if the Terminator didn't just show up in the 80s? What if the Terminator showed up with Jesus? Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to stay alive, stick with me, you know, <laughs> and it's like, that guy is going to kill you. No, Jesus is like, no, no, Terminator, don't do that. It was so <laughs> funny because it parodied the Terminator movies, but mm -hmm. it also drew stuff from the Bible, you mm. know, and it used them both equally. And it was really funny, you know. Mm, I'm um, going to have to rewatch it. I don't remember that one. Yeah, I just remember Savante. Oh. Do you, <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that character? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was fun just because, you know, getting to play, you know, one of those goofy R&B dudes, you know, <laughs> and we came up with this idea. It's like, what if he had something, you know, some look that was, oh, yeah, he has an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Just because he thinks that's cool. But the best thing about that was, you know, um, Nicole Sullivan and I had presented awards at uh, Billboard Awards. And backstage, I got to meet Usher, who was like Ooh. 19 at the time. Wow. Wow. And we, we connected and then he wound up coming and doing mad TV after. Wow. And I got to, uh, you know, it's like, well, I got a R&B singer's character and we got an R&B singer host. I should do a sketch with him. So, so I got to sing with Usher. Wow. How dope is okay. that? Right? Love it. <laughs> love it. Yes. I love that too. So I always thought that, um, that character was um, one of the immature band members. Do you remember Romeo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I didn't think of that. That's who okay. I always reference that character to. Like, hmm. But I'm not going to lie, Phil. You was looking like a snack when you were doing Savante. You was, you was <laughs> in your prime. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Well, you know, because that first sketch, you know, where he's supposed to be writing a song for a children's charity, and he just writes a dirty song. Right. They're like, oh, we can't do this. Oh, you know? Yes. That was the joke. Right, right. That is so funny to me. And you and Deborah Wilson, I feel like you guys had the best. Oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. They were like the tag team. They were a best yes. duo. What oh, yeah. Do you still keep in contact with her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Deborah's just one of the sweetest, most talented people in the world. Absolutely. She seems like she is very sweet and she is very well-rounded. I yeah. love that. Will we ever see you guys together again? I don't know. I mean, you mean, are we going to get hired on something again? Who knows? Yeah, I... <laughs> That's not up to us. Uh, we would love that. That We're you, just coming I, together. 
you know, and I doing like a YouTube series or something, you know? <laughs> YouTube series. I don't know. Tubi <laughs> series. I don't know. You know, just something. No, I mean, because you guys were <laughs> you guys were the bomb together. I mean, like, it just seems like the chemistry was there. You bounced off of each other's energy and it was is well written. So I loved it. Mm, thank you. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, you two definitely are, I think, what made that series so just, I, I mean, I saw that series as even better than SNL to me because it was the mm-hmm. acting, it was the writing, and just the comedy, just the level of performances were just amazing. Well, I mean, I think the biggest difference is we were actually a sketch show. Right. Mm-hmm. SNL is a variety show. True. Okay. You don't tune in because you want to laugh the hardest. Mm-hmm. You tune in because I want to see Robert De Niro wear a wig. Yeah. <laughs> True. You know, people tune in because they got these huge stars, you know, mm-hmm. and they're going to make a joke about something that's in the news four hours ago. That's you true. Know? That's a good point. So that it's a different, they have a different approach. Yeah. Yeah. We, we write sketches, you know, a month before so this mm-hmm. has got to be funny not just today mm. got to be funny from here on out yeah um, wow. when you hear when you watch this sketch so that had to be a challenge right there because how how would you do that <laughs> yeah. well i mean I, I always say that sketch comedy is like baseball if you hit one out of three you go into the hall of fame mm. <laughs> and mm. then the other two are gonna get erased <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no I like to refer to um, a Mad TV as like, I don't want to say the knockoff version of In Living Color, but it was <laughs> it was a runner up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think the two shows were great. I think that's what exactly what we needed, um, especially being a child of color growing up. Is I love seeing the black characters. I loved having that representation, like you said earlier, on the screen, knowing that, oh, if they're on there, possibly when I get older, I could be on there. You know what I mean? It was that. It was it was stuff like that that we needed growing up, especially as 90s babies. So I want to just give you kudos to that. Thank you so much for being a part of our childhood. I really appreciate you. And I mean, I love to laugh. And I think it started because of you. Well, no, no. <laughs> it started because of In Living Color. In Living, In Color, Living Color, okay. Set the bar, you know. I mean, it was the first, you know, predominantly black comedy show on television. Yeah. I mean, you know, sketch comedy show. I mean, but without In Living Color, Mad TV would never would not have existed. Because Fox already had a sense of, oh, sketch comedy is something that can work. I mean, if you mm-hmm. think about it, think about how many channels, networks never have had any sketch comedy. Right. Most haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason Mad TV came into existence is because of In Living Color and because it, everybody was thinking in, you know, 94, it's like, ooh, SNL is losing their, their, their level. We can take them down. So we were the first other late night sketch comedy show. Actually, the first late night sketch show with more than one black person. Right, right. Mm. But and you were also appealing to black Color. and white people. So that right. was the best thing. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just aimed at. It was like, no, no, just spread it out. Get yeah. the funniest people we can find. Exactly. And, and unlike SNL, we could find a funny black woman. <laughs> <laughs> and you did just that. Yeah, remember that thing about it? You know, a bunch of years back, it's like, yeah, we couldn't find it. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? 
that's they crazy. Looking. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they look at any episodes of a black lady sketch show now and go, I didn't know right. there were so many. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They are funny too. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great example. Actually, it may be because of Black Lady Sketch Show that now SNL has more than one has more than a black woman on it. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a, a good point. point. I didn't think or of that. Or it might be because of George Floyd. Oh. Mm. Not you know, sure. There's a, there's a that made a lot of people who never thought about the concept of representation and diversity think about, oh, yeah, maybe we should look like we're in favor of black people. Mm. <laughs> Instead of looking like an episode of Friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> And speaking of that, you actually were a guest star on um, Living Single, which to me is, first of all, and now, if I'm not mistaken, Living Single was before Friends, and it was way better than Friends. And I'm not saying that just because we're people of color. I'm saying that because it was, it was A, it was, it was a better formula, it was well written, and just, you know, it was just... I, I hate to say this because I hate to put things down, but for me, friends just never had any flavor and there was just never any stories that I could sink my teeth into. But living single just was it for me. Mm -hmm. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. It was my comfort show. And yeah, so that that's funny that you said that because I definitely remember you on that show as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was that was so, so much fun because mm -hmm. everybody in that cast was incredible. Yes. You know? And got to guess with so Heavy talented. D. Yes. Wow. And he oh was my so gosh. sweet. I'm so so oh, sad when, that we lost him. Um, I mean, to be honest, Friends was a good show. Mm -hmm. You know, and Living Single. I mean, I wonder if the the producers of Friends would watch Living Single episodes out the corner of their eye and go, mm. let's, "Let's let's borrow some of that," but they would never mention right. it. Right. You know, because right. back in those days, things were distinguished by color. It's like, no, it's a group of friends hanging yeah. out. It don't matter what color they are, just right. how funny they are. Mm. Friends to me were like the unseasoned chicken, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the boiled chicken, you know, <laughs> that's how I look at it. <laughs> oh, that's funny because I, I remember I would think about it like Woody Allen movies, like what version of New York is this? <laughs> That's awesome. So can we talk about your childhood? What were you like growing up? Were you always funny? No, no. I was a little book nerd sitting in the corner reading a book. Really? Yeah, yeah. I would have I mean, never I, guessed I only it. Got, I only got into performing because of books. Mm, okay. Comic like, books or just any uh, type no, of No, no, um, Well, I read comics, but I also mm -hmm. had shelves and shelves of you know i had all the lord of the rings books conan the barbarian you know sherlock holmes all sorts of tons and tons of books okay. but uh, in eighth grade my um school was doing a play based on a book that i loved called the phantom toll booth mm, okay and i went to audition for the play not because i considered myself an actor but because I love that book. I love that book. Oh, there's this great scene at the end where, this guy is like, where the census taker is gonna take your sense of purpose, your sense of duty, you know? But wow. when I auditioned, I wound up getting cast as one of the leads. Mm. And that flipped a switch. Mm. And I've been chasing that dragon ever since. Wow, that's awesome. amazing. Okay. Right. 
that's what you call blessed to figure out your yeah, passion at high. an early age. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause it wasn't a choice. Mm-hmm. It was just random. And the thing is this leading character was talk the watchdog who opens the play as the main little boy Milo's clock doing a monologue alone on stage to the audience under a spotlight. That was how I first performed. Wow. And something like that changes your brain. Mm -hmm. Did Mm. you feel pressure when you did that at first? Like, were you nervous or were you excited? It was weird. I walked out on stage Uh and didn't have my glasses on, so I couldn't see nothing. But I could Uh feel the energy of Uh the people out in the audience. It felt like a wave of of water coming up over the edge of the stage. And when it touched my feet, I felt, these people are mine. Wow. And that, you know, made me understand, like you said, that, oh, this is my path now. I enjoy being Mm -hmm. in front of people. I was never trying to get people's attention and be in front of them before this. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, where's Phil at? In the corner reading. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, boy. (laughs) (laughs) But this, this, this changed me. Wow. Yeah, it mm. sounds like it. Wow. So when you approached your parents with it, like, hey, I want to do acting for the rest of my life, were they okay with it? Actually, I never said that. Never? Oh. I never even thought that. Okay. Until I was flying home after, you know, after graduating college. Mm-hmm. You know, went, went to uh, Yale University back east for four years. And then I was okay. flying home to LA. And mm-hmm. then I was thinking, huh, you know, I guess I should pursue this acting thing. I mean, I really like doing it. And, you know, a bunch of people say I'm pretty good at it. I mean, I either got to do it now or wait till my mid 40s when I have a midlife crisis and try it then. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, either way, I I think it could have worked out for you. (laughs) (laughs) So you are originally from L.A. then? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Okay. Which made it, you know, easier to mm-hmm. pursue an acting career than it might have been for you know many other people right mm-hmm. right you know because okay. actually uh, when i came home from college i already had my actors union card wow because um well oh maybe we only have to mention this on the 80s podcast but <laughs> my very first paid acting job you know i told you what my first acting was my first paid job a friend of my mother's was an executive at NBC. And I think my mother had dragged her to some of my high school plays. And so when they were doing a cartoon where they were gonna actually cast kids to voice some of the kids, which back in the eighties didn't happen much. Mm. There was a little boy in a cartoon. It was voiced by an old, old middle-aged woman. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but they were doing this uh, NBC cartoon, the Mr. T cartoon, and they were casting okay. real kids to play mm-hmm. the kids on the gymnastics team that Mr. T coached that solved mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I auditioned and got the part of Woody Daniels. Oh, wow. And so okay. my, yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny that I wound up coming back many, many years later into cartoons. Mm-hmm. So how did that work out? Like, did you, when you, um, d- did you ever like seek out to do, you know, cartoons or was it just basically just taking bookings? Like, did you ever see yourself doing voice acting or is this kind of something you fell into? No, because back in the olden mm-hmm. days, voice acting mm-hmm. 
Not something anybody ever said. Gotcha. Okay. Doing cartoon voices right. was just, you know, that Mel Blank stuff. <laughs> right, you know? right. And before cable, there was just nine dudes who did mm. every voice of right. my childhood. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, nine. Every cartoon. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, after the, you know, in the 90s and cable came along and Nickelodeon started doing 24 hours of cartoons, right. there was mm -hmm. a lot more jobs. And then okay. people said, oh, what do you do? I do voice acting. Okay. That, that's when that term got, you know, invented. Okay. So when I was coming up, mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't a, you know, a path that you would think about taking. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, no. You either do theater or TV or movies, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, but, you know, as I started building a career in television and theater, you know, and on Mad TV, we did these, those little claymation pieces. Yes. So I was okay. like, oh, I, I know how to work on a microphone again. <laughs> so that you know, is, yeah. in the late 90s, I actually decided, hmm, maybe, maybe I should see if I can get some cart more cartoon jobs. Gotcha. Maybe well, just that, right? I have to say, I mean, honestly, I, I see you, I see your voice up there with like the Mel Blancs, the Mel, Mel Blancs. Um, you know, like the classic, like the goats of animation, like the Looney Tunes and those, because you can do so many different things with your voice. Your voice is so distinctive. And, you know, and when you were saying, when you're telling us the story about Mr. T, I also think about, um, who's also another black queen who I love, um, Cree Summers. I think mm. about her. Um, she, I think if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if it's her first job, but I think about her with, um, Inspector Gadget. I think she was- right. Right. Yeah. yeah she was so, yes. Yes. So I just think about you guys and I just think about like you guys have really just carved out a lane for yourselves. And, and I think you guys have inspired other people like myself with voice acting. And and it's interesting to know that because um, and that makes a lot of sense that, you know, before Nickelodeon, I'm sure back then there wasn't, you know, a lot of cartoons and things like that. Like, you know, not like now, not like, you know, with Cartoon Network and just the 24 hours, you know what I mean? So that makes a lot of sense. But um, with that happening, now we have, you know, we have you, we have Chris Summer, we have so many of these other people, um, Tara Strong, these people that just, their voices are just amazing. And um, it's just, it's incredible. And I, to me, I mean, this is just me as a fan saying this. Um, I feel like it would be even harder to do voice acting than to be on camera because you have to do it with your voice. You know what I mean? That's just well, me like, you know, seeing just the skill and how you guys have to, you know, handle your craft. So much respect to you guys. Well, I mean, I mean, stage acting, voice acting, mm -hmm. on camera acting, whether there is not really one is more difficult than the others, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's except depending on who you are. Right, right. You know, some people are amazing on stage, not mm -hmm. that good on camera. Mm -hmm. And you see a lot of the other way around, you know, like, you know, they put some, you know, massive movie star in a play on Broadway and it's like, mm. you know, not <laughs> right, everybody right. can do everything, but right. you get somebody like Cree Summer who can do everything. Yes. And, you know, and Cree and I were both very lucky you know, to have started doing voice acting at a young age back then. Mm -hmm. And I think for her, it was because her father did voiceover in Canada. 
Oh, okay. Mm. So, so that's how she was, you know, awakened to the concept of it. And maybe he even got her, hey, we need a kid on this job, sweetie, come here. You know, I think it was something mm. like that. Okay. You know, but for most people our age, mm -hmm. would not have ever done anything in front of a microphone except sing. Gotcha. Well, let's mm. talk about that. I mean, you could do all and you can sing. That's the mm -hmm. crazy part. Like you're not mm -hmm. bad. You don't sound bad at all compared to what we're listening to now. So like, I feel like y'all are well-rounded. Well, mean, you know, I and I think, I think about back then as well, a lot of, a lot of, you know, actors were classically trained, you know, like you could sing, you could dance and you could act. And I feel like that's a skill and a craft that's lost today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, when you sure. start out your career as an influencer, yeah, you ain't got that. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. Although TikTokers can dance. <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> Was there any type of training that you received to be able to do all of that? Um, well, I took, you know, drama class in high school. Okay. Um, I took a freshman year acting class in college, but most of my training came from experience doing mm. plays you know extracurricular type of stuff um because i mean the best way to learn is to practice do something mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. although it helps to be doing that with talented people or mm -hmm. with good directors because that teaches you yes you know but also being put into the situation of solving the problem of getting these words off this page into the hearts of this audience that's your job yeah. right you know right and you always have to figure out the process and you know people say well do you do you prefer doing cartoons you prefer doing tv shows or movies and actually the dif difference between the process is less about the medium whether you are acting into a microphone or into a camera than about the quality because when you get handed a justice league script your acting goes up the mm -hmm. same way it does when you get handed a pulp fiction script mm -hmm. you know and you don't have to solve it's when you get handed something that's sketchy that doesn't really work as an actor you got to work harder okay let me let me make this character feel more real and grounded than mm -hmm. it feels when I'm reading this on the page. You know, that's when that's what happens when you get a bad script. Mm -hmm. you know, but when Does you that happen often? Um, yeah, I mean, well, you know, when you audition for stuff, but I have been so, so lucky mm -hmm. to work with genius creators, writers, producers. I mean, mm -hmm. to to look at a resume and be able to have Matt Groening, Bruce Tim, Dwayne McDuffie, any one of those people would make you be so proud of your career. But to have all of them? <laughs> right. That's part of why y'all love my work. Yeah. Because it's in the work of geniuses like mm -hmm. Andy Tartakovsky and Quentin Tarantino. Yes. You know, that's, that's my fortune. Mm. So in the past, you say that you are a middle-class working actor. Do you still feel that way today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, still? well, I mean, it's also, to me, it's part of the mindset of approaching this. You know, because everybody says, oh, the hardest thing about acting is the rejection. 
Like, no. The hardest thing is the uncertainty. Because, you know, as professional actors, we're temps. Everything you do ends or could end anytime, any day. You know, whether it's a hit or whether it's a bomb, you don't know. You're just performing and then you don't know how it's going to respond. So that means, you know, because I've over the years, I've had people come up, actors who I thought were five times better than me, tap out of Hollywood because they didn't have the temperament. It's like, uh, I can't take not knowing if I'm going to be able to pay my rent next month. Screw this. I'm moving back to Ohio and working in my dad's furniture store. <laughs> Was that a shot at us? <laughs> Are you in Ohio? <laughs> yeah, we're in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> no, but I understand what you're saying. It definitely, yeah, it, it's, I think that you have to be very, um, I, I can't even think of the word, but you know what I mean? Like you, you have to have strong faith and you have to have, um, persistence and you have to believe in yourself and you have to just take a risk and just trust the process. I mean, that's with anything in life, but I mm -hmm. definitely understand where you guys are coming from, especially in these times with the strikes and everything. I definitely get it. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, you that's... ever feel like this would be resolved in the near future? Well, I know that it will be resolved because both sides are losing money. Mm. You know, all of us actors and writers are not working. So mm -hmm. people, are but all of those companies are not getting our content. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, the tricky thing is their money loss is coming down the, the pipe, you know, because you shoot something and then eight months to a year later, it airs. Now nobody's shooting nothing. Right. But hopefully, as their, you know, the strike lowers their stock prices they care about that a lot more than they care about their relationship to the creatives it's crazy which is a shame hopefully we can just come back to the table and make a compromise like give us enough of this we'll take enough of that but you need a lump sum they owe you they owe you a lump sum from from the 90s to now <laughs> yeah well but mostly it's about it's less about the the numbers the money that you know than it is about the system because they have been right. ripping out the system. Mm -hmm. You know, in the old days, I remember I had friends who were, you know, performers trying to be actors, but they just did a bunch of commercials and they bought a damn house. That doesn't what? exist. Anymore. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. because we, all those streamers, ain't no commercials on them. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and ain't nobody getting, you know, even though on YouTube, you got to watch a lot of commercials, ain't nobody getting paid the way that you used to pay, get paid on network TV, mm -hmm. you know, and all of these systems about Netflix don't tell you how many people watched your show. Oh, they don't? Even though right. they have so much more information, because remember in the old days, they used to have the Nielsen where there right. had to be one family that had mm -hmm. a box in their house and mm -hmm. they represent 10,000 people around them. <laughs> but no, nowadays, they got your IP. They know what you're watching, exactly how many minutes, and they know where your credit card number is. Mm. You know, <laughs> so, but they don't was, share that. Right. I was curious about, Producers. like, from the, from that 
like the cable to the streaming, I was kind of, I was curious. I know with like our podcast, you know, we have like the analytics and stuff. So I wondered how that worked, but. Mm. Yeah. We just need to go that. back to Blackbuster or Blockbuster. I'm going to say Blackbuster. But Blackbuster. Blackbuster. <laughs> yeah, but think Miss about that. Those days. Think about that. Mm. Kevin, you, you got access to your analytics mm-hmm. and Shonda Rhimes don't have access to the analytics for her damn Netflix that, show. Right. That's, that's crazy. wild. What kind of sense does that make? It's yeah. crazy. Mm. I think they're lying about that. <laughs> they I mean, know. I, for me, like I completely understand where actors and creatives are coming from. And it's just, it's, it's, it's rigged. It's just, you know, it's messed up. And when you really sit down and break it down, like I'll share that I, I mean, I've ran into you at, at several conventions, Phil, and and I love just being at conventions and I just love the creative aspect and just entertainment. And um, I had the opportunity to meet Jalil White, who, you know, love his work. And he shared um, during a panel that some, something that people want to do, I guess, in the industry, like behind the scenes, um, you know, whatever the powers that be, something that they want to do is they want to like extras. Like I've been an extra in a film before. They want to take an extra and they want to, I guess, produce our likeness and then never use us again. And that's to me, like, like not even that I care about like my likeness being taken, but it's like when you're creating something and you're taking the human aspect out of it, like it's not even human anymore. You know what I mean? Like we're it's like you do a Spider-Man film and you have like, it's in New York and you have the people in the background. They're not even humans. They're, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so crazy. It's wild to me the way that things are getting. No, that's terrible. Actually that whole, like, you know, AI thing and the the extras taken whoever, Mm -hmm. you know what that seems to me? Digital enslavement. It's crazy. Mm. Just think about it. It's like, okay, Kev. Yeah. We had, we paid you to do one scene. And right. then we stole your face. We right. own you now. Right, right. It's crazy. That is, hmm. wow. I never heard that word until today. Yeah. I'm going to have to I use mean, that. Damn, at least in the old days, slaves at least got a boat ride. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's insane. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's so crazy. Actually, well, I was I- on at Dragon Con and I was... Uh, made me you know, I was thinking about the strike and I was mm-hmm. thinking about uh, Sam Jackson's Ezekiel 2517. And I, was, <laughs> and I was thinking if, damn it, I wish Jules was on a negotiating committee. Oh my God. I will strike upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who <laughs> attempt to poison and destroy my brother's careers. <laughs> right, we need. My name is the union when I lay my vengeance upon thee. <laughs> I love we how need, you were able to do that right on the spot. We need like Severi Jack to like handle this or something. Right. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Hey, y'all, let's let's put our prayers together and give the negotiating committee a magic sword. <laughs> right. Mm. Oh, man. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Off with their heads. <laughs> goodness. On a lighter note, Phil, what is your, do you have a favorite role that you've ever done? And I know you've done a lot of great work. As you've said, you've been blessed to work with some really great creatives, some really great directors and really great peers. Do you have something that is one of your favorite things, I will say, that you've ever done? Wow. Um, It's tough. I mean, to pick Mm -hmm. a favorite, because like I said before about how lucky I've been, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, am I going to pick the Green Lantern? 
Or shall I pick the Jedi? I got to be, right. I grew up with Star Wars and then I got to play a Jedi. Right. Yes. That's, or the samurai known as Jack. I mean, yes. that is such an amazing, that show yes. is a work of art. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. there's this little bit part in a pilot once where I played like this, you know, Spike Lee type director kid who was shooting a soap opera. But in this pilot, the woman playing the lead of the soap opera was Carol Burnett. No way. Wow. Woman I grew up watching. Yeah. The man playing her co-star on the soap opera was Adam West. Wow. Another legend I grew up watching. Wow. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't amazing. a great part and nobody ever saw it, but that. But you that still got to work with him. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love I mean, that. Love it. Like, so, you know, you go back in time. It's like, okay, if yeah. you had to pick one part to do again, it's like. Got it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not for the quality, but for the week of getting to hang and have lunch yes. with. You know? Wow. Wow. Mm. That's what and, you call and Carol, Carol Burnett just recently had her 90th and, yeah. and, and I love, I love, I love Lucy. I mean, who doesn't, but right. I didn't realize that she, you know, that like Lucy was like her, what am I trying to say? Like her mentor, like she was talking about that just mm -hmm. so much. And, and I think about this. I recently lost my grandfather who was 96 and in my young mind, he was going to live forever. And it's just like, man, we're losing our pioneers and you know, our, just our generation that was before us. And it's just like, man, it's just crazy. So that, that's, that's amazing. That's what a blessing. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. to hear that. Yeah. That losing, you know, legends is, mm -hmm. it, it happens. It's happened all our whole lives. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I remember always thinking through my life, oh, I wish someday I would meet Sidney Poitier. Mm -hmm. You know, just because he yes. was such an incredible actor who yes. changed the mm -hmm. perception mm -hmm. of African-American people. Absolutely. In our entire culture, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, so not just, you know, a great performer. Right. He, he changed the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And it would have just, just, you know, just walking in a being in a room and breathing in the same air with him, but right now he's gone. So yeah, mm. you know, yeah. But I, you know, there's a handful of people, like I said, with meeting Carol Burnett, meeting Adam West, you know, mm. and I got to meet you know Robert Guillaume and Ron Glass. Mm. Okay, you know, I, I don't know. These are these are guys from the '80s. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Robert Guillaume was the star of Benson. You know, yes. Okay. I knew first. the name was familiar. Okay. He was one of the first, you know, cause he started out just as a, you know, a secondary, um, mm -hmm. uh, character on the show soap, but then okay. they did a spinoff okay. where his character got his own show and back in the eighties, uh -huh. spinoff, the black character. Right. That was a rarity. That's a, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. But he was so good. Yes. So funny. So amazing and intelligent. Wow. Um, so getting to meet him and Ron Glass, who played Detective Harris on the, the great sitcom Barney Miller back in the 70s okay. and 80s, getting to meet okay. those guys, because like you were saying before, Kuya, about somebody who puts up an image, it's like, oh, I could do that without seeing those guys. Right. I would probably have never gone to audition for that play. Mm. <laughs> you know? Thank God you did. Right. Right. Well, Maybe I can tell you, I can. I can tell you, Phil, you definitely will have, are currently having that effect on people with your body of work. And we thank you for that. And I have to throw out just a couple more people that you've played that we haven't mentioned yet. You've also played Static Shock, who 
love Static Shock. Static Shock is so important to me. Being a young Black superhero, um, just being that show, I feel like just truly did not get its flowers. Um, I, doing some of its research, um, doing some research on that, I should say, I realized that it it was still doing well. And the reason it was canceled, I think, is because it wasn't selling enough merchandise or something silly like that, which well, I'm just like, story. Yeah, that oh, that made me so mad because that was my show growing up. I love that show. And then I also have to give you flowers for I love the Weekenders and you played Carver. Yes. Carver, Carver is me. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love that show. So just. Oh, oh so, so you might have to show us your shoes later, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to my little brother actually a couple of days ago. We we were so nostalgic and we were just talking about, we always like, we'll randomly like quiz each other and we'll be like best classic Disney show. And he'll, he'll, he was, what was he saying? I can't remember now. I think he said recess. And I was like, well, I got to say special shout out to the Weekenders. And then we started talking about that. So yeah. you've played so many I iconic characters. It's just been, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah, Weekenders was so great because that was like one of my first regular gigs. Okay. And what a what a, I can't think of a better way to uh -huh. start a voiceover career than to be on that really good show mm -hmm. playing kids alongside, you know, geniuses. Yes. Like Gray Delisle, Jason yes. Marsden, mm -hmm. and Kat Susie. Yes. You know? Yes. Like that's that's like getting drafted into the 90s Chicago Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the writing oh, man, was so I'm be great. A good player. Right. Uh, love it. And then the theme song was sung by Wayne Brady, which yes. I didn't realize that at the time, but love, I love it. Oh, love wow. It. Learn something new every day. I did not even know that. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow, that is crazy. <laughs> I love it. I love that, that we can Wait, just- do you have do you have any final final thoughts or final questions for Phil? We could do this all day with Phil. We are so excited to be here with him, but I don't want to take up too much of his time. Right. So um, I think I'm good. I think I've asked everything. And I gave you your flowers and kudos and yes. all that good stuff. Hope you feel buttered up. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, Phil, Black Don't Crack, your skin is amazing. You look so good. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, well. I don't, I don't know if I could catch up doing the UPS guy no more. Uh -uh. <laughs> Things you come up with when you're 24 are a lot different 30 years later. Okay. Well, I do. I think well, I have one more How about more we do question. a sketch where he sits down? Oh, right. Oh, I mean, hey, so we will still watch you. Wheelchair or yes. not. We will still <laughs> that is so funny. I do have one more question. So mm -hmm. you touched a lot of people's lives by doing what you do. Do your children, or do you even have children? Do they in, like? Do they look at what you've done and say, "Hey, Dad, you did a really great job," or you know, like you really have an impact over a whole generation? Oh well, like, do they no, have I do, any? I do have two kids. Okay. Um, I have a son who just graduated NYU, and oh, I have a daughter okay. who just uh, started uh, school at Vassar College. Oh. But the interesting thing is, neither of my kids were little black nerds like me. <laughs> they were way much cooler. <laughs> like my son is this amazing hip hop artist. He goes by Eyes Lamar and okay. he does fantastic, you know, songs and he dances, he sings, you know, and, and my daughter is an amazing, like four sport athlete. They're both like, 
things that when I was a kid, I would have dreamed of becoming. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? oh, I love that. Um, but over the years, they have gone into as nerdy stuff became less fringy. You know, cause like in the old days, when I would first started going to comic cons, there was nothing, no souvenirs I could get from my kids. It's like, do you guys have a, a Snoop Dogg Funko pop? No, no. <laughs> uh, is there maybe a, 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 a Wonder Woman soccer ball? <laughs> no? All right. Dang it. But now, you know, with that whole Marvel universe blow up, that stuff has become much more mainstream. Mm hmm. So my kids have more interest now yeah. in the stuff that that I do. Although back in the day, they would watch, you know, Bob's Burgers and Family Guy and stuff. It's like, mm, okay, turn the volume down. That's a little <laughs> <dumb>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Before yes, we you let so you much. go, uh, shout out your social media link so everybody can stay in contact yes, with you. Yes, so we can support you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I am at Phil Lamar. That's two L's in the middle, two R's on the end. Um, on uh, Instagram, TikTok. Um, no, I think those 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 are the ones I post on. I'll, I, you know, after that uh, that other one got a little too musky. Um, right. <laughs> I, I started posting on Hive, but I don't know if anybody's really on that. Um, but yes, my. my at Phil Lamar is uh, my social media and handle. Awesome. And if you well, have anything you so in the much. future, just let us know. We will definitely yes. help you promote it. Yes. yes. We are Hopefully the strike mm -hmm. will be over soon so we can all get back to doing some work in the future. Yes. Right. We, so, we are so grateful for your time. Thank you so much, Phil. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for being here with us and giving us your time. And thank you for contributing to our childhoods and continuing to affect us today with your mm -hmm. wonderful work and much love to you and your family. We appreciate you. Yes, thank yes. You. So Thank's make sure you follow us, guys, the official 90s Babies podcast. I am one half, Quay Morgan Hill, Kevy the Dreamer, and we are on 80s, 90s, and 2000s vibe. You can catch us there on YouTube, on Instagram, Spotify, iHeart, Apple, all that good stuff. Until next time, guys, we love you all. Mwah! Yay.